SEC Media Days continues. Dan Harrelson here alongside Phil Still. Phil, thank you for coming on the podcast, talking about the upcoming college football season. Hey, a real pleasure. How are you doing today, Dan? Doing pretty well. A little bit busy since the season, uh, it, or I guess you could say the unofficial kickoff to the season is upon us with SEC Media Days, but it's always a good time for... Uh, when the season does uh, get to this point for, for media days, and then, of course, fall training camp will follow right after that. Yeah, this summer went pretty quick, didn't it? That's right. And, of course, your magazine, <laughs> the Phil Still College Football Preview for the 2019 season, is already out. And uh, you have another Alabama-Clemson rematch taking place in the college football playoff. You have Clemson coming in as the number one seed, against the number four seed Georgia Bulldogs. Other side of the bracket in the Fiesta Bowl, Alabama defeating Michigan. Of course, that Clemson-Georgia matchup would take place in Atlanta at the Peach Bowl. And then uh, Alabama defeating Clemson in the national championship game in New Orleans. Talk a little bit about that and uh, what kind of puts Alabama over Clemson to erase that defeat last year. Well, you know, let's let's start with the obvious everybody's picking Alabama and Clemson to meet there and they should when you look at Clemson this year loaded offensively perhaps the best quarterback in the country and Trevor Lawrence Travis Entian in the backfield dynamic set of receivers which are rate number two in the country and an offensive line uh, which I rate uh, number three in the country so you know the question is Who's going to be more potent offensively, Clemson or Alabama? Uh, they're going to be number one and number two. And despite losing all those guys off the defensive line, Clemson still rates as my number five defensive line heading into the season. So they're going to be good on defense. And then you factor in their schedule, Dan, and uh, I think Clemson's going to be at least a 17-point favorite or more in every single game this year. Closest line right now is the Texas A&M game. And Clemson's a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, if you're somebody that's tired of the Alabama-Clemson matchup, do keep in mind, last year, Clemson was a four-touchdown favorite against Syracuse and trailed by two scores in the fourth quarter. They need their third-string quarterback to complete a fourth-and-ten pass for a first down to keep their final drive alive. Had they lost that game, they would have tied with Syracuse in the, in the division. Syracuse would have gone to the ACC title game. And Clemson might not have made the playoff, but I think there's a pretty good chance Clemson runs the table and finishes the regular season number one. And with Bama, same thing. Offense loaded. Tua, uh, Tonga Vailoa at the QB spot. Uh, two of the top running backs in the country, Najee Harris and Trey Sanders, both number one out of high school. Jerry Judy leads the best set of receivers in the country. And Bama has my number six rated offensive line. The Tide figure to be a double-digit favorite in every single game this year. Keep in mind, last year they only had three returning starters on defense. This year they have six. Uh, the tightest games for them probably are at Texas A&M, where they'll be a, a two-touchdown favorite. And in Jordan Hare, the Iron Bowl against Auburn, where right now they're a 13-point favorite. So a double-digit favorite in every game, and it looks like they'll get there. If those two end up meeting for the championship game, the reason I give the edge to Bama is I do give them a slight edge on defense. I also give them an edge on special teams, which I rate number 18 in the country. And then they got that 44-16 to 16 chip on their shoulder this year, Dan. Remember last year heading into the playoffs, people were saying, is this the greatest team of all time? Well, this year they're going to walk in there, I think, pretty determined with that 44-16 to 16 chip. And uh, Nick Saban's pretty good at getting revenge in games like that. 
Well, speaking of chips on the shoulder, look at the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, of course, you do have them as the four seed in the college football playoff in the SEC East. Can, can the Bulldogs uh, come into this season, get over that hump? Obviously, you don't think so, picking Alabama to win it all. But as far as the SEC East, can anybody challenge Georgia this year? You do have Florida finishing second in the East, and then a Kelly Bryant led Missouri Tiger team. Of course, he was the transfer quarterback from Clemson. And then you have Jake Bentley, uh, another solid veteran quarterback in this league at South Carolina and then Tennessee with Jarrett Garantano, redshirt junior, uh, coming in fifth in the East. Can anybody take a shot at Georgia in the East, do you think? Well, first of all, I think Georgia is a better team this year than they were last year. I'm on the uh, Joe Moore Award Committee for our top offensive lines. Their offensive line was one of our three finalists last year, and they could be just as good this year. Led by left tackle Andrew Thomas, and got a veteran senior quarterback in Jake Fromm, one of the best receivers in the country, and DeAndre Swift. Biggest question mark heading into the year. They lose their top five receivers from last year, but, you know, the top guys only have about 500 yards apiece. So it's not like they're replacing 1,000-yard receivers. It's not like the talent they have coming in. I think they'll be just fine there. And defensively, they're more experienced than they were heading into last year. And the special teams remain solid. I do think Georgia will be favored in all their games. Florida figures to be the biggest test, and that game's in Jacksonville. Currently in Vegas right now, Georgia only a three-and-a-half point favorite in that game. So that'll be probably the game that determines the East. But if you're looking for a sleeper, I think the schedule sets up really well for Missouri this year. As you touched on, they've got Kelly Bryant. They've got Larry Roundtree, a running back, dynamic running uh, offensive line with Wallace Sims and Duran up front. Defensively, they've got a solid player at each layer. They've got Jordan Elliott up front, Kale Garrett at linebacker, Marcus A.C. at cornerback. But that schedule, when you look at the uh, SEC, they're playing Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and in my mind, uh, uh, somewhat of a rebuilding Kentucky on the road. They could actually win those road games and potentially be 8-0 when they travel to face Georgia on November the 9th. Now, I still only rate them the 25th, 25th best team, but if you watch last year's Missouri-Georgia game, Missouri actually had a 26-18 first down edge in that game, and I thought played Georgia even up at the line of scrimmage, gave up two return touchdowns in the game, which is the reason that they lost that one by 14. So uh, if you're looking for a sleeper, Missouri would be that team. Now you have Tennessee slated, uh, projected to be in the Texas Bowl, going bowling this year after a 5-7 and seven performance in 2018 with two big wins over ranked opponents and at Auburn and then at home against Kentucky in November. Couldn't finish the deal last two games uh, against Missouri at home and at Vanderbilt to go bowling last year. But uh, like I mentioned, Garantano's back, new offensive coordinator, Jim Chaney, who's been at Tennessee under two other previous head coaches in Lane Kiffin and Derek Dooley. He returns, and actually in your preseason magazine, you do have speak highly of the balls for being a most improved uh, rankings for your offense. Uh, I believe uh, 12th nationally for most improved offensive rushing and then offensive passing 6th most improved nationally and then 5th overall nationally for most improved offensive points. Jim Chaney, is, is that a reason that you think this team will be much improved? Yeah, not just Jim Chaney, but 
you know, Jeremy Pruitt, I think, is a positive, positive hire for Tennessee. And I like the two recruiting classes he's brought in. He doesn't have the thing of, you know, we want to get to bowl games. He has, he has but the, what he wants to do is win the SEC, and he wants to bring in those caliber of players. And I think they've got two really good recruiting classes under Pruitt coming in, and there has been an upgrade in personnel. And this year's team is a lot more experienced as well. Last year they only had six returning starters on offense. This year they have 10. Uh, while they still have six starters back on defense, just like last year, it's the second year of the defense. And they've got players like Aubrey Solomon, Daryl Taylor up front, Batuli at linebacker. I like the secondary, Thompson, Taylor, Warrior, all SEC potential candidates. And uh, some of those guys were playing as uh, freshmen last year. They're now sophomores, and I think that's going to be an upgrade. Uh, another advantage, and the reason Tennessee makes my most improved list this year, uh, the schedule's a little bit more manageable. In fact, when you look at their uh, you know, opening to the season, they'll be favored over Georgia State, BYU, and Chattanooga. I've got them an underdog at Florida, home against Georgia, at Alabama, and uh, potentially at Missouri as well. But the rest of the games all fall into the winnable category. So this is a Tennessee team I definitely expect to get to a bowl game this year. It's the second year for Pruitt. I like to hire a Cheney, and I think the offense will be much improved. And uh, I think uh, right now I've got them favored in eight of their games. So I think Tennessee can get it done and uh, get not only get to a bowl game, but have a, a pretty good record overall. Well, Phil, many of the listeners uh, go out and buy your magazine like I did and many, many other people uh, nationwide do it each year when it comes around May on the calendar or June on the calendar. What actually goes into it? When do you, when do you start prepping for this, uh, this next uh, football season? How, how does that play out for you? Well, now I have a staff of about 15 folks that work on the, nothing but college football year-round. And, you know, we start the Sunday after Thanksgiving. That's when some team seasons are complete. We can start finalizing their stats, getting those things proofread. You know, we've got the last five years records in there, last six years stats, all of last year's stats. There's a lot of stuff to take advantage of. Then uh, we go through the write-through process. There's a postseason write-through where we know the players that are leaving. Uh, we know who's coming back for next year. We, we know what just happened in the season, the shape the team was coming into last year, where they are this year. Then we do a pre-spring write-through once we get the freshmen all signed. And then we do a post-spring write-through. And what I do is I try to talk to as many of the head coaches as I can. This year I talked to 110 of the 130 head coaches. Uh, and we then finalize and, and update our 2D based on those conversations, which generally take about an hour apiece. I go over every player on the team, get strengths and weaknesses, make sure I got everybody in the right order on all the depth charts. So the whole process takes six full months. And we're not talking 40-hour work weeks. We're talking some pretty heavy uh, hours. We didn't send the magazine to the press until the end of May. You know, the other magazines were hitting the newsstands in the middle of May, which means they went to the press before spring practices were over. I don't see how you do that, especially with the active transfer portal. So we went to the press at the end of May. Came out later than everybody else. We came out at the end of June, but I think you'll find that our two deeps and our personnel are the most up-to-date of any magazine. And I really feel, Dan, that the magazine's got three to four times the amount of information any other magazine out there. Oh, it's great. Uh, I've probably looked at it for 20 years now. I, I believe you're, what, 25th anniversary this year. Yeah, 25th anniversary. Good thing I started when I was 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and last thing, Phil, was Jeremy Pruitt one of those coaches that you spoke to and prepped for this uh, magazine? Yes, yes. 
I talked to Coach Pruitt at length, going over uh, every player on the team. He was very generous with his time. And uh, I, was, I was impressed. I think that uh, when you look at the bottom line, you're going to see nothing but improvement, and the arrow definitely pointing up for Tennessee this year. Well, that's good stuff. Well, Phil, I know you're a busy person, and it's a busy week with the SEC Media Days, but I do appreciate you taking a few minutes coming on the podcast. Absolutely, Dan. A real pleasure and great talking football with you today.